So these are capturing the emails of investors or if you're looking for a business partner or consultant or team members, whoever's information you want to capture, you need to have a page dedicated to that specifically. And again, this is where you capture the information of your investors. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, In addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with them to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's uh, brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there, and we've built a relationship with him in Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got, and assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, all you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, but besides that, you know the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. And his phone number, 212-897-9875. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School. And Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode. And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, Best Ever listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of 
Apartment Syndications. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. So, each week, we air a two-part podcast series about a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy, and for the majority of these series, we offer a document or spreadsheet or some other resource for you to download for free. All of these free documents and the free Syndication School series can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is part two of a two-part series entitled The Power of Your Apartment Syndication Brand. So make sure you listen to part one, which aired yesterday, or if you're listening to this in the future, is the podcast episode directly before this one. And in part one, you will learn the primary benefits of creating a brand as it relates to starting and growing your apartment syndication business. You also learn the one thing Joe wishes he would have done differently with his brand starting out, which was to define a specific target audience. And to do so, we introduced the concept of 2,000 true fans and pursuing selective fame versus general fame. And then we talked about how to actually select your target audience starting out, as well as talked about the first three main components of the brand, which is your company name, your logo, and your business card. In this part, part two, you will learn how to create your first website and how to increase your website traffic. So the focus is going to be on the website. Now the website is going to be the most important aspect of your brand. If someone Googles your name or your company name, the website is going to be the first thing that they see. So this is going to be their introduction to you and your company. So that is going to be the most important component because first impressions are everything. And if you don't have a solid website, then you are leaving a lot of money on the table. The website is also going to be your main lead generator as well as your main lead capture source. So leads would be your passive investors. So if it's the first thing they see, it's going to be the lead generator. And then at the same time, we'll get into this later on in the episode, is going to be the main place where you capture information of interested investors. And then lastly, it is also going to be the source of all of the content you create for your thought leadership platform, which will be the focus of the next syndication school series. So website, very important. Now to create your website, there's really an infinite number of ways to do this, but I will just talk about one strategy in particular that applies to someone listening who has not done a syndication deal yet. So when you're first starting out, you should definitely create the website yourself because websites are very expensive and it takes a lot of time to create a website professionally. And if you're just starting out, you likely don't have the money to invest in a website, nor the time to sit around and wait for the website to be completed. So the best strategy is to start off by making it yourself. Now, your first website should be very simple. It should not be complicated with a thousand different pages and 20 different tabs on the home screen. So what you should do is you should go to a website creator like Wix, Weebly, WordPress, GoDaddy, or Squarespace. 
which offer step-by-step guides for creating your website. So you'll go there and it will literally walk you through how to create pages, color schemes, add pictures, add content to the website. So you want to do that. And you should also be able to buy a domain name at one of those sources as well. I got mine through GoDaddy, or you can use WordPress as well. And for the domain name, it can either be yourname.com or yourbusinessname.com. Really depends. Or you just do both, like what Joe does. So Joe has joefairless.com as well as ashcroftcapital.com. So if you're just starting off, I recommend right now going to GoDaddy and buying yourname.com. Even if you're not going to use it, particularly for your syndication business, it's always good to lay claim to that just in case you want to start a consulting business or use it for other purposes. For me, unfortunately, theohicks.com was taken, so I had to take theohicks.org. Now, as your business grows and your bank account also grows, that's when you want to actually hire a web designer. So you already have a website established, and you can hire a web designer to create a second website while your first initial website is still active and live. So in order to hire someone to professionally make your website, you can go to a site like Fiverr or Upwork, Elance. You can Google web designer, or the best strategy is to ask for referrals from a website that you really like. Now, as I mentioned before, and this is why you didn't create one starting out, but professionally designed websites are expensive. If you want to get a cheaply done website, it might be a couple hundred bucks, but in order to get a great website, it's going to run you at least a few thousand dollars. And when you create a professionally done website, it's really up to you. Probably the limiting factor is going to be money. So once you have the money to buy the website, you should definitely do it. But also, you don't want to start off by, again, creating a professionally done website because it takes a long time. And you want to make sure you probably have a deal under your belt first or at least have started putting together your team before focusing on the professional website because you probably have other duties that are more important and your basic website should do the job. Now, what do you include on your website? So if you listened to part one or if you go to syndicationschool.com or the show notes of part one, you'll be able to download the free document that came with that, which was a branding resources document, which gives tips, pointers, and links to things related to building a website. And one of these sections includes 11 examples of apartment syndicators' websites. So if you want to know what to include on your website, the best way to do so is to look at the websites of other accomplished syndicators. So I definitely recommend checking out that document and spending an hour and click through the different tabs and pages on those 11 sample websites. But some of those websites are from very accomplished advanced syndicators. And when you're first starting out, you're not going to have the level of content that they do because you haven't had the time to create that content yet. So at a minimum, when you're first starting out, I recommend having these four tabs. So number one is going to be your homepage, obviously. And this is going to be the first page that they see when they go to your website. So make sure that it is attractively designed. And also, I recommend putting a call to action on the front of your website. 
So again, the ultimate purpose is to capture the information of passive investors. So everything else that you do is in order to direct more traffic to your website so you are able to convert more people into passive investors. So this call to action is going to be an email capture form. Now when you're starting out, it's probably just going to be very simple and just say, input your email to receive my weekly newsletter or to receive updates on my business or something along those lines because you haven't really created any giveaways yet. But ideally, you are offering a free resource in return for their email. So they give you their email and you give them some sort of free document. And we'll go over what type of document that could be here in a little bit. That's the first tab is the home page. Secondly, you want to have an about page. So you can call it about or you can have it like Joe, which is meet Joe. Or you can come up with a creative tab that gets the same point across. And obviously this about page will have a bio for you, your company, and an explanation of what you do. Number three, you want to have a blog tab. And this is where you're going to post your thought leadership content. So your podcast, your blog, YouTube videos, and really any content that you create will be posted on this page. And then lastly, you want to have a tab dedicated to lead capture. So these are capturing the emails of investors or if you're looking for a business partner or consultant or team members, whoever's information you want to capture, you need to have a page dedicated to that specifically. And again, this is where you capture the information of your investors. So those are the four pages that you want to have at minimum when you are initially creating your website. Now, as you become more advanced, you're going to add more tabs and pages and have a better design overall. So using Joe's website as an example, he has, and again, this is in addition to those four previous components, which is the home page, the about page, the blog page, and the lead capture page. So he has a page dedicated specifically to the podcast. So again, when you're first starting out, you probably just have a basic blog and then post everything there. But once you start to add on, you've got a blog and a podcast, maybe a YouTube channel, and you've got multiple content streams, then you want to create tabs or pages dedicated to that specific piece of content. So Joe has his daily podcast. So he has a podcast page where he posts all the new podcasts. He also has a consulting program. So he has the work with Joe page, which is actually not only just a consulting program, but also for passive investors too. So it's details on both of those programs, passive investors and the consulting program, as well as a lead capture button for them to input their email if they're interested. Also, his, his about page is more detailed than just his bio. He also has information about the charities he's involved in, as well as the press mentions. So if he was mentioned or posted content on Forbes or Huffington Post, those logos would be there, as well as links to those articles. He also has a resources tab. So this is where all the resources that he offers are located. So specifically for Joe, he has a passive investor page with passive investor FAQs. He's got a page for content that is specific to apartment syndications. And he also has a My Recommendations page where he recommends different resources and services that he has used for his syndication business. So really any other resource you can think of would go under this type of tab. He also has an events tab for his conferences and meetups, a books tab for all of his books. And then the most important page, again, the home page, which you will have on your initial website, but it will be very basic. 
as you become more advanced, you want to incorporate all of the most important content on your homepage. So, for example, right now, the homepage features a link and info on our new book, Best Ever Parmesan Indication Book, which you should definitely buy at Amazon.com. There are links to the two lead capture forms for his passive investors and consulting program. There is a section for the most recent content, so YouTube videos, blogs, podcasts. And then also, he has the company metrics. So since JoeFairless.com is more focused on the brand, the metrics are information on the consulting program, information on podcast viewers, YouTube viewers, things like that. And also, scattered throughout the website are multiple email capture forms, giving away multiple pieces of content. So rather than just having that one lead capture on your homepage, you want to not only create multiple lead capture forms on different pages, but also offer various pieces of free content as well, and make sure that the giveaways are specific to that page. So for example... On Joe's passive investor page, his call to action wouldn't offer something that has to do with fix and flipping because that's not relevant. Other things to think about in regards to your website is the pictures that you use. So again, this seems basic and rudimentary, but it's it's very important because you don't want to get into legal problems later on. So when you're first starting off, you can probably get away with using images from Google Images. But as you grow, you might run into legal issues because you are technically stealing someone else's image. So any images that you use on your website or your blog, podcast, thought literature platform, things like that, make sure they're royalty-free. And the two websites that I use for royalty-free images is pixabay.com or pexels.com. So the first one is P-I-X-A-B-A-Y.com, and the second one is P-E-X-E-L-S.com. And you'll be able to download royalty-free images from there. Secondly, is tracking the analytics on your website. And the best way to do that is Google Analytics. So if you don't track your website's performance, then you have no idea what is and isn't working. So the best way to determine what is and isn't working is to look at the analytics on a weekly basis. The three main metrics that we use that we track are the number of page views, the number of unique page views, and the number of new users. And we actually track that for the overall website, for the blog specifically, and then depending on what project we're working on, we'll also focus on a specific blog post or a specific page on the website. Now, setting up your website on Google Analytics is not that difficult. It's a highly technical conversation and Not very interesting. So rather than discuss it on the podcast now, we will be giving away a free document which walks you through with screenshots exactly how to set up analytics on your website and create your first custom report that tracks those three main metrics that I mentioned previously, which are unique page views, page views, and new users. So to download that, make sure you go to syndicationschool.com or look at the show notes of this episode to download that free document. Now, the rest of the podcast, this podcast episode, I want to focus on the best practices for 
increasing your website traffic once your website is actually created. Because again, the main purpose of your website, the ultimate purpose, is to capture the information of passive investors and convert them into customers. And in order to do so, you need to get prospective passive investors to your website. And so these are eight or so strategies to accomplish that. And these strategies come from Joe and based off of his experience growing his website, as well as podcast interviews with people who have been able to grow social media followings of in the six figures or people who are well-known marketing experts like Neil Patel. So let's just dive right into this. And again, the goal of all of these are to get people to your website. Number one is going to be understanding what you should focus on starting out. So when you're first starting off, you should focus on traffic first and conversions later. So focus on getting people to your website, not getting people to fill out your lead capture form. Now, the standard is 10,000 unique visitors per month. So you want to work your way up to 10,000 unique visitors per month before you focus on conversion. However, since we're syndicators, we don't need 10,000 customers, so to speak, right? We need our 2,000 to 3,000 true fans. So rather than waiting until 10,000 to focus on conversions, you can focus on getting 2,000 to 3,000 unique visitors per month before you begin to focus on the conversions. So that's number one. Number two, which is kind of broken into multiple components, but that is leveraging social media to increase your website traffic. And starting off, you want to pick one or two channels to focus on and focus on ways to get people from social media to your website. And the top sites or channels to use are Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and BiggerPockets. So I want to go over a couple of strategies and tips for each of those different channels just because they are different and things that work on Facebook don't necessarily work on LinkedIn and vice versa. So let's start with Twitter. So one strategy on Twitter is to look up your competition using the search.twitter.com function. So look up other people who are creating similar content as you and search for their articles on search.twitter.com and see which profiles shared that content. And once you identify those profiles, you can reach out to them via tweet or via direct messaging and ask them to share your article too. Because if they're already sharing articles in that industry, they're more likely to share yours as well. So this is a little time consuming because you have to do it manually, but if you focus on this over time, you will see a, a huge impact on your website analytics because people will be going to your blog, which brings them to your website, obviously. Something else you could do is to search the popular hashtags for your specific niche. So apartments, apartment investing, passive investors, real estate syndications, apartment syndications, multifamily, things like that. And number one, you want to include those hashtags in any tweet that you send out. But two, it'll also help you identify people who are also tweeting those same hashtags, sharing articles in that niche, and top profiles that you could potentially reach out to and have them retweet your articles or your tweets. And then in regards to what to actually tweet, the best way to come up with content is to repurpose existing content. 
So again, I know we haven't talked about the thought leadership platform yet, but if you have a blog and you write a thousand word blog post, you could probably pull out at least 10 tweetable items from that. So if you write one blog post a week, then you'll have at least 10 tweets for that week. Ideally, you're doing more than that, so you have more tweets, but that's a good start. And again, we'll get into the frequency of posting content and everything related to that in next week's episodes focused on thought leadership platform. So those are some pointers on how to use Twitter. For LinkedIn, the pointers are to, number one, create your profile based on a specific goal, which in this case is to increase traffic to your website. But not only that, you want to increase traffic to your website of your specific target audience. So you've already defined your target audience. So you want to create your profile with the goal of increasing the number of people from your target audience visiting your website. And to do so, you want to focus on the keywords that your target audience is searching for and include those in your profile. So they're probably searching things like apartment syndication, multifamily syndication, apartments slash multifamily investing, passive investing. So figure out what main keywords they are, your target audience is using and make sure that those are scattered among your profile because that's how the search function works on LinkedIn. So they type in passive investing, your profile will come up. You also want to infuse your headline with the keywords. So rather than using the basic headline, which is usually your name and your company name, instead have some sort of tagline that includes those keywords, so apartment investing and passive investing. When it comes to your profile, the last thing you want to do is to just copy and paste your resume in there. Instead, you want to think of your profile as a digital introduction to potential passive investors that you want to impress and make them feel confident in your ability to help them. And a resume is not necessarily going to accomplish that. So focus on including the keywords, but also focus on including things that will have people perceive you as a credible apartment expert. And then lastly, this is probably self-explanatory, but don't have a selfie as your profile picture. It should be either a professionally done picture or at least have someone else take the picture. If you have a profile picture and they can see your arm taking the selfie, they're probably just going to pass over you. So that's LinkedIn. And then, of course, you also want to post any and all content that you have to LinkedIn as well. For Facebook, the best strategy for Facebook is to create a private group that is only available to your target audience. So everyone who goes on Facebook knows that when you scroll through your regular news feed, the majority of the content is just noise. So it's cat videos, people posting pictures of their food or going on vacation. And while that's all fine and dandy, that's not helping you or someone who wants to become a passive investor out. So instead, if you create an actual private group, you can reduce all that noise and it can be focused exclusively on your syndication business and helping out interested passive investors. So for example, we've got the Joe Fairless page, but we also have the Best Ever Show community page for all of the podcast listeners. And then we also have a private group for all of the syndication consulting program clients. Something else to do on Facebook is to focus on building personal relationships. So you don't necessarily have to have every piece of content or every contact be 
involving real estate or syndications. Instead, you could send direct messages that are saying happy birthday or congrats on the new job or new deal or kind of whatever it is. But instead of just posting it on their Facebook page or commenting on something like everyone else, take that extra time to send them a direct message. Also, you can utilize the Facebook Live function. And it doesn't mean you have to have an hour-long presentation or doesn't mean you have to actually interview someone. Instead, you can summarize content that you've already created. So let's say you've got a blog post that give out five tips for finding deals or five tips for finding an apartment indicator. You can create a video overviewing that same content. Or if you're going on a property tour, turn on Facebook Live. If it's your meetup group that you host, and again, talk about this next week as well, um, Facebook Live, the, the speaker or the Q&A session or the roundtable discussion, or just do a Facebook Live video saying, hey, I'm at my meetup group, here's who's speaking, here's what I learned. And again, the goal is to get people to watch that video and look up your name and go to your website. And then lastly, and this will cost you money, but you can do Facebook advertising that targets your 2,000 true fans specifically, which is also a very powerful function. And we actually use Facebook advertising for our past investor site and saw a huge increase in traffic. So the Facebook advertising function is very powerful. And the fourth site that you can use is BiggerPockets. And there's really no tricks here. It just takes consistency. So number one, make sure you set up keyword alerts for things that your target audience would likely include in their posts. So multifamily investing, apartment investing, syndications, past investors, accredited investors, things like that. And then also, I recommend posting in the forums on a daily basis, at least one time, which would take you, you know, maybe two minutes to do. And over time, you will build up that credibility. And you can also include, if you have a pro account, a link to your website. So the more times you post, the more opportunities people have to click on that link to go to your website. And overall, for a social media strategy, you want to create a calendar that's 30 days to 90 days. Starting off might just be a week, but plan out when and what you're going to post. So you've got your one or two channels, you set up a calendar to say, okay, I'm going to post to bigger pockets 10 times at 5 p.m. every day, or I'm going to go on Facebook Live every Monday at 10 a.m. And then just create that calendar and make sure that you adhere to that calendar. And lastly, and this can be accomplished on really all four of these sites, is interact in the comment section of the top profiles in your niche. So on Facebook, join the top multifamily investing groups or passive investing groups and interact in the comment section as an example. So that is the long-winded number two, which is utilize social media to increase your traffic. Number three is to be better than the competition. So look up what type of content your competitors are creating and recreate that same content, but do it better and more detailed. So for example, if you find a blog post with top 10 tips for becoming a passive investor, you can write the same blog post, but give 10 better tips, or maybe give 20 tips instead. Because you know that, when I mean competition, 
You want to find someone who's the market leader in this niche. So someone who's getting a hundred thousands of downloads to their podcast or getting a hundred thousand views to their blog, because you know what they're doing works. And if you replicate what they do, but do it better, then it'll work for you as well. Something else to do throughout your website is cross-linking. So you want to link to other blogs and pages on your websites in any new content that you post. And a good strategy is to create a piece of cornerstone content. So kind of your main, most detailed piece of content that has the most valuable information to your target audience and the blog or the podcast that you want. It has to be a blog, actually, that you want the most people to read. And any new blog post that you create link to that cornerstone article. Cross-linking is a thing that helps out with your SEO and searchability on places like Google. Next, number five, I believe, is to not expect results right away. So don't expect to create a website today and then have 100,000 unique visitors in a month. Instead, a good rule of thumb is to not expect to really see any decent results within the first six months and don't expect to see solid, good analytics for at least two years. So now that you know that, instead of getting discouraged after six months, make sure that you're consistently posting new content multiple times a week on your one or two social media channels. Next, number six, is to create content specific to your target audience. Again, seems like a no-brainer, but if your target audience is past investors, then don't write blogs about fix and flips. And in order to determine what is the best content and the right amount of content, so how frequently you should post, you can do A-B tests. So you can, for maybe two weeks, post seven times a day. Or seven, sorry, sorry, not seven times a day. If you want to, that'd be pretty impressive, but seven times a week. And then if the next two weeks, post twice a week. And then maybe for the next two weeks, post once a week and see which one results in the most highest number of traffic to your website. Now you may think that seven times a week is the best, but it depends on the target audience because some target audiences only want to read a blog once a week, whereas others want two blogs per day. And you won't know until you test it out. Same with the actual type of content. So you can write content that's very vague and high level, and then you write content that's very specific and detailed and see which one performs better with your audience. Number seven is to have an easily identifiable value proposition on your website. So as I mentioned, on your homepage, you want to have the call to action lead capture form that is ideally giving away a free piece of content. So if someone who's visiting your website should be able to instantly identify and locate that call to action, and that call to action should be offering something that is the most valuable to your target audience. So for example, obviously your target audience are passive investors. So your call to action should be very obvious and front and center on your homepage. Should be good contrast between the actual call to action section and the background of the homepage. It shouldn't be surrounded by distracting pictures or other lead capture forms. And it should offer something to the target audience that is very valuable to them. So again, top 10 tips for passive investors. And they type in their email address, they get this sent to their email automatically, and you have captured their information. 
And this is something else that you also want to do an A-B test on. So test different locations of this call to action, different colors, different fonts, different wording, different giveaways, and see which ones work out the best. And again, you want to remove anything that is going to distract your target audience from this value proposition. So make sure that it's front and centered and not surrounded by anything that's distracting. And then lastly, number eight, is once you are ready to actually start converting your visitors, the best way to increase your conversion rate is to create pop-up sliders. So what pop-up sliders are, they're similar to the call-to-action lead capture form we've talked about on this episode, but rather than it being fixed to the page, it pops up once they visit a page. So they visit the home page, and you've got your initial lead capture form, but you also create something that pops up that they have to click off of in order to remove, which increases the likelihood of them actually filling in the information rather than them being able to just simply scroll by your fixed call to action. And for these, again, you want to, number one, offer free content in return for their email. And number two, run the A-B tests with different pop-ups, different timing of when it pops up, what pages they pop up on, and the entire pop-up in general, so color, fonts, description, and the content offered. So those are the eight best practices for increasing your website traffic. This concludes part two, where you learned why the website is the most important aspect of your brand. And mostly that's because it's the first thing that prospective investors will see when they look up your name. And it's also the main lead generator and lead capture source for your business. We also discussed how to actually create your first website and when to bring on a third-party designer to create a more advanced website. We went over what to include on your initial website, as well as what a more advanced website will look like. We also discussed how to set up Google Analytics on your website, which involves that free document available at syndicationschool.com or in the show notes of this episode. And then lastly, we went over the eight main ways to increase the traffic to your website. Now, a lot of those ways involved creating content, and when you're listening, it might have been with Theo, we haven't talked about any content yet, or what is this content you're speaking of? Well, that's going to be the focus of next week's Syndication School, where we talk about the thought leadership platform, which is probably the second most important component of your brand, second to the website. And then we're also going to talk about creating your company presentation next week as well. So to listen to part one of this series, as well as the other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndications, and to download your free documents, visit syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? 
Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.